Hey guys, on today's episode of Stories, we have Mike Poorman. This man's been touring for over 20 years, and he's such a good dude. And God, this conversation is just so much fun, and we cover a lot of bases because he's been touring for over 20 years now. Sorry to date you, bud, but that's that's the truth. So he started out playing drums with Hot Rod Circuit, and then uh, after that, he went on to uh, actually become a stage manager and a merch guy sometimes for Andrew McMahon. And then he went on to Billie Eilish and was with her pretty much until the pandemic started. So we got some good stories here from him. It's going to be a fun time. So uh, yeah, hope you enjoy. Peace out. What's up, buddy? Not much, man. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. Look at you. Haven't seen you in forever. Dude, I I haven't seen a lot of people in forever. That's what the beauty the beautiful thing about this podcast is, is that I get to see everybody when I want to see them. <laughs> Dude, that's great. Well, well, you know, I'm sorry it took a year for you to want to see me. You know, oh, I think shush. that's Oh, you pretty shush. fucked up. <laughs> well, I mean, this time last year, we I would have thought I'd be seeing you soon. You know, I think we had summer festivals lined <laughs> totally. up. Probably, yeah, we probably had summer festivals lined up. So, like, yeah, of course. <sighs> no, well, yeah, actually, let's see. When is it? If it's February, yeah. At this time last year, we didn't know. We just, it was business as usual, man. So, mm-hmm. yep. Okay, so how you been, man? What have you been up to? I know you've been working, and what have you been doing, bro? So, yeah, um, well, let's let's start at D-Day. Uh, got sent home March 13th, as March 12th and March 13th were like the D-Days for everybody, pretty much. So, um, got sent home from tour, and it was kind of a, oh, well, you know, Live Nation is going to revisit this March 31st. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be back within a month. Like, I'll see you in a month. Like, no big deal. Okay, cool. <laughs> so little did we know this is a little bit of a bigger uh, bigger thing than anyone thought. So just slightly. Um, just a little bit. Yeah, I, <laughs> I basically, I got home Friday the 13th. And oh, God, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. So as you know, we started just getting kind of more and more correspondence. Oh, well, March 31st rolled around. It looks like it's a bigger deal. Like we're trying to figure it out still. Like we'll check back in with you. It's something like mid April or whatever. Once we hear more from Lab Nation. And then I think potentially it was by like the end of April, pretty much everybody had heard like, yeah, nobody's, nobody's going anywhere. It's over. So I went, we, you know, we got an email uh, right away from management um, saying like, Hey, we don't really know what's going on, but you know, best to just brace and prepare yourself for anything that's going to happen. So here's, you know, here's a couple things we would advise doing, start doing that stuff and we'll, we'll stay in touch. So, you know, went on unemployment first time in my life, um, which, you know, cause obviously before this, if you were self-employed touring guy, like you couldn't get unemployment, you know? So 
it was nice that the last two years or so I've been W2'd. And obviously now this time around, they let 1099 people get it as well. But I know it was mm. still very difficult to get. Yeah. But uh, yeah, went on unemployment and then just kind of hung for a little bit till maybe toward the end of May. I was doing just stuff around the house, like working on projects in the house. This is the first time since I bought my house now almost three years ago that I was actually home to do anything around the house. So, um, you know, started just making like little home improvement projects and, and really making this feel like a home for the first time in almost three years. So, uh, started doing that, but then I just started getting like super, super antsy, just like everybody. Um, so, um, friend of a friend, I don't know if you know, do you know Sooner Ruthier? Tour, oh. She tours, I, I forget who she was with recent, most recently, but uh, our production manager, Nicole, and uh, Sooner are really good friends. Mm-hmm. So Nicole hit me up one day and she's like, hey, so you remember Sooner? You met her? Yeah, totally. She lives in Nashville. She's got a friend that has like a cabinet shop and they're doing some big cabinet install for this like apartment complex or whatever. They're looking for people. So you oh, should wow. hit this guy up if you want to do some work. So hit the dude up, talk to him. He was like, yeah, man, come on down. Uh, you know, we could use the help. Um, I can pay you cash under the table for like the first month and then we'll kind of figure it out from there. So long story short, I show up the first day, this other guy is there and I'm like, man, this fucking dude looks super familiar to me. He comes out of the building. He's like, Oh, Hey, what's up? Like, blah, blah, blah. We're talking. I'm like, yeah, it's my first day. That's my first day too. Dude, where, where do I know you from? He goes, well, did you get the job through sooner? I was like, yeah, totally. He's like, well, I just moved here a couple months ago. I'm working for live nation. I'm one of their production managers, but I used to be with AEG in Denver. It's Joe Cisack who used to put on shows in fucking Denver. So I'm sure you've met Joe a million times too. Dude, What? That's sick. Yeah. So so Joe and I start working. We're literally in this warehouse building these prefab apartment, like kitchen cabinets, basically like open the box, glue them, staple them, throw them on a truck kind of deal uh-huh. by two weeks in because we're, we're touring guys. We know how to pack a truck. We've got the <laughs> truck packed more efficiently and the dude running the shop basically puts me in charge of the shop uh, two weeks into working there, which was hilarious. Oh, um, man. I didn't last more than a month because I ended up actually getting um, the job. Well, actually, no, I was there for almost two months. I ended up getting the job that I'm in now, which is um, for this company, 1767 Designs it's in Nashville. It's an e-com business um, that's basically building art and furniture from reclaimed wood, like the lath from uh, behind the plaster walls in the old houses here. Whoa. So when people are renovating or tearing the shit down, we essentially go in, we'll do the demo for them basically for free in return for the wood that we make artwork out of. So uh, it's been really cool. I've been doing that since the end of June. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the owner has two other businesses a custom furniture business and a design build business, construction business. So he wanted to step back from the artwork side and focus on growing those other two businesses. So I came in and I've been pretty much running it now for the last almost nine months. So dude, that's a nice little turn. It's a nice little pivot. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, dude, that's, you know, it's so funny because I mean, you, you know me, like I, 
I'm definitely really hard on myself. I'm not a pat myself on the back kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And somebody said to me like two or three months into that gig, they're like, man, I'm not surprised you got that. I've known you for like 15 years. You've always been about the pivot. He's like, you always, I don't even remember who said it to me. You've been really good about pivoting when you've had to always. I'm like, huh? I never thought about that, but yeah, I kind of, Kind of not kind been of about bro. that life. You are about that life, man. I mean, like, let's check it out. So, all right, when did you start touring like full time? Uh, nineteen ninety eight, essentially. Was, who was that with? That was with my indie band, Shyness Clinic. So actually, it wasn't like full time. We toured a bunch. Okay, ninety eight, ninety nine. Damn, and okay. then. I started, I mean, dude, fuck, I just turned 45. I'm Damn, you don't look a day over 30, my friend. You look great. Well, it's the lighting. It's, it's that head lighting. of hair. Look at that hair. It's great. You look great. Well, thanks, dude. No um, problem. I, so I started with them, and then um, I was still playing in that band when the Hot Rod thing came around. So essentially... I went, um, do you remember that band six going on seven from Boston? Did you ever check them out? I haven't heard of them. Kenny, have you ever heard of them? Nope. Kenny hasn't heard of them either. Them, if, if he hasn't heard of Hi, them. Kenny. I didn't know Kenny, Kenny's off camera. Um, I, so I went to, um, I went to a show middle East upstairs with my friend, Josh, who was the bass player singer, uh, for six going on seven, my roommate at the time too, um, to see hot rod. He had done shows, uh, saves the day six going on seven and hot rod circuit had done shows um a few months prior oh wow and um he was like oh yeah we're gonna i'm gonna go see my friends like do you want to come to the show i was like yeah fuck wh why not so i never heard hot rod never seen him um so we went to the show and checked him out and it was great it was a fun show uh, a lot of energy it was my first time seeing him and that was when wes was still playing drums and um yeah, like maybe, I don't know, a month after that, Josh called me one day. I was just sitting at home and he was at work and he called me. He's like, hey, you remember that band, Hot Rod Circuit that we saw uh, last month? I was like, yeah, totally. It's like, well, the drummer is quitting and I put your name in the hat for the new drummer position. I hope you don't mind. I was like, what? Pivot, like, pivot. I don't know, dude. <laughs> well, well, the the funny thing is, though, like I didn't know – at the time, I didn't know if I really wanted to be touring full time. And, you know, I knew that they had a bunch of opportunities going on, but I knew that they were like a working band, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, he's like, yeah, uh, you know, here's Andy's phone number. You should set up time to talk to him. And uh, so Andy and I set up time to chat and we got on the phone. I ended up talking to him for like three hours the first time we ever chatted on the phone. Oh, wow. And it, you know, I felt like, you know, I, oh, it's like, one of my buds, like I've known this guy forever kind of vibe. So, um, we set up time for me to come down and like, you know, try out for the band using mm -hmm. air quotes or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so this was in the middle that, you know, they were living outside of new Haven in Shelton rehearsing at Jay's family's, uh, linen company. Wow. So I set up oh time and, and Andy was like, yeah, why don't you just learn four songs off, you know, off the record. So all they had out was the first full length in the EP. Um, so learn four songs and then come down and we'll just jam. All right, cool. <laughs> Call him like the day before I was supposed to go down. I was like, Hey dude. Um, yeah, something came up. I'm not going to make it. 
But don't worry, I learned the songs already, so let's just set up a new time. I hadn't learned the songs yet. P.S. Oh, no. Um, so, I mean, dude, you know, it was wintertime. This was like middle of January, and this was when still, like, winters were pretty bad. Global warming hadn't impacted us as much. Because, you know, this is 20, 21 years ago at this yeah. point. And, um, yep. So, second, set up the second time. I do the same thing. I, I fucking call them and I bail. And I'm, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know, man. I just didn't want to drive two and a half hours in the snow, you know, uh, uh, for, you, for something I didn't know if I wanted to do. Like, I, I liked the music. I liked the band. And Andy Wait, and I was the, what were was the album off. that was out. What was the album in the EP? Uh, if I out? knew now, if I okay. knew now what I, I don't even. And it wasn't Sorry <laughs> About I Tomorrow. Now. Sorry About Tomorrow. You played on Sorry About Tomorrow. I play on the second record, which is if it's cool with you, it's cool with me and sorry about tomorrow. Yes. Um, okay. So yeah. All that they had out was if I knew. Um, gotcha. So anyway, we set up a third time. I go, I I'm like, Oh yeah, I've learned the songs day before I go down there. I go into my friend's studio. I learn the four songs and then I go down the next day. <laughs> and um, so I get there and I walk into this place. And it's like a pretty big, uh, building like warehouse facility, you know, they did linens for like hotels and restaurants and stuff like that, cleaning wow. and servicing. Um, and we go into this like machine room, basically they've got all their gear set up with these like massive washers behind them and stuff. And I'm just like, man, this is kind of a crazy setup, like cool, like whatever. And um, I don't know. We played through like three of the songs and Andy stops for a sec. He's like, I don't know about these guys, but you got my vote. So I was like, all right, cool. Um, but, you know, they were also at that point had been um, talking to Dan Duggins, who ended up being the drummer after me, um, who I also knew on the side from my old band, The Shyness Clinic, because we had played a bunch of shows with Lazy Kane, Dan's old band uh, that was on Doghouse. So, Dan signed on to do a tour. So they, they asked me to join the band, but I couldn't do the first tour. It was like two weeks away. It was a tour with Piebald in February of 2000. Um, so Dan was able to do the tour. So he signed on and he actually did uh, that split seven inch that we have out on vagrant. That's with the anniversary. Oh, I recorded yes. that, but Dan played drums on it. Cause it was right in that time period where the Piebald tour was about to happen. So, oh. Right. Okay. So that was this. that was really fun. I mean, it was cool. Like I had them in the studio and we jammed out. It was it was fun and to to record something before I was in the band. But oh, um, so anyway, yeah. So that's that's the start. Like I joined the band, and essentially we got in the van maybe March, right when they got back from that tour. Mm -hmm. Played four shows out to Lawrence, Kansas, and then we made that second record. Um, we wrote, they had half the songs kind of written. I wrote all my shit for that. And then over two weekends, we wrote the second half of the record over two rehearsals, just banged it the fuck out. And what album was this? If it's cool with you, it's cool. Oh, okay. With me. Gotcha. Right. Yes. So that's yes. the one that's got like radio song, yes. and nine, like those songs. Yep. On oh yes. <laughs> but yeah, we just, we played four or five shows out to Lawrence and fucking made the record out there. Uh, at the Red House, which is now or was now Black Lodge, the you know the mm -hmm. Get Up Kids ended up buying the studio, but yeah, at the time Ed Ed Rose owned it, oh, and um, 
We did, but we didn't do the record with Ed. We actually did the record with Alex Brawl, who was Get Up Kids' uh, front of house guy. Um, wow. Oh, yeah. So I, it was I, cool. I know him. Dude, that's yeah, awesome. So, man. yeah. Sorry. I feel like I'm just talking and talking and talking. But That's what this know, is just, about. Yeah, why are you sorry? This is not about me. Fuck me. It's about you and your stories. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about, man. Come on. So... Let's fast forward to Sorry About Tomorrow because that album is like, that's got to be like one of my top 10 albums of all time, in my opinion. Wow. Personal opinion. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I fucking, I I didn't want to tell you that when we were on tour together because I know how you get and I know how you're, you like to, you know, constantly just, you know, just be the guy. I didn't want to give your ego. Be embarrassed that about shit. And, <laughs> yeah, no. Be and hide out, <laughs> dude. I remember when you would like. I remember that night where you were like, "Danny, will you please come out with us tonight to the Tiki Bar?" Because you know I never came out. I was like, "No, nah, I'm gonna stay on the bus and uh, get stoned." But and then I went out with you that night, and it was disaster. And it was a fun was like, night. Eh. It was a fun night, though. Come yeah. on, you had fun. You admitted you had fun. I did, but I was so hungover from that sugary ass shit. I felt like death the next day. <laughs> I can't remember what was. Do you remember where we were that you went out with us? What? Um, it was Milwaukee. I can't remember. It was Milwaukee. Oh yeah, we went yes. to Foundation. Yes, it was. Yes, and we it were was, the only people there essentially, except for like two other people. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a fun night. But you're right. That was. Yeah. Although man. that was on the back half of the tour. Mm-hmm. Where on the front half of the tour, I know we're jumping ahead of ourselves. No, it's all right. There's no order in what I sent you. It's just it's just what we talk about. So now we're talking about this. So this is perfect. We can get to everything else. Well, after the this. front half of the tour was the Orlando night, which I was probably witnessed. No, I wasn't there for Orlando. Remember, where were you? Connor was there. I was in Europe. Oh, yeah. That was the tour. Okay, so for anybody that's listening, this is what I had to do for this tour. I started the Andrew McMahon tour in Arizona in like the beginning of January. Beginning, that was like the, that was the, yeah, that was the first first show in January. Yeah, Yeah, it was January. It was. So I did about 10 days of that tour, and then I had. Connor, my dear friend Con, everybody's friend Connor. Who everybody's dear bottoms. friend Connor. He's just the best little, best little, little adorable guy in the world. And I had him cover for me for two and a half weeks for Andrew McMahon, while I flew to Europe and did Brian Fallon and Craig Finn. And then I literally, we did the last show on that tour in Ireland. I got on a flight, pretty much stopped at my apartment picked up some new shit, flew out a couple hours later, and then the next day after that Fallon show, started the tour with you guys again in Detroit. Yeah, you were, you were definitely a little grumpy the first two days, but you got you got back in the swing. Oh, that, yeah. Dude, I'm so yeah. glad that you came back. It's so much fun hanging with Connor, too. He's oh, He yeah. is one of my all-time favorite tour friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but that... Was that, um, I guess that was the second tour you and I did together, but what was, the first or was it the first? No, that was the first no, one we did together. Was the, that was the first one. Yeah, that was um, the first one. We knew each other yeah, before t- that tour, though, obviously. Let's, I got to tell you the Orlando story, though. Yes, tell it. I wasn't there. I, I have, hear it. So, 
We did. Um, we did uh, not the social. What's uh, what's the place right next to the social? Um, Is it like a weird venue? A weird venue, like it's in the you walk. It's the same alleyway as the social. Uh, the Beecham. Mm, hmm. I definitely know that venue. Yes, I remember that. Okay, so you guys are at the Beecham. So we're at the Beecham. Mm-hmm. The night bef- so before the show, we started out at the cocktail bar. The block over from the Beecham. There's it's like. I think it's punk rock owned. It's a little tiny. They, it's like speakeasy style, but it's, I mean, there's no secret door or whatever. You just walk in. If you walk out yeah. of the social and take a left, you just go to the next block and it's right there. I, maybe it's called the gaslight or something like yeah. that. And Connor was um, with you at this point, right? Connor was with us. Okay. So we start out the night there, have a couple drinks, go back, do the show. And Matt Wilson is like, oh, there's this speakeasy that's down the street I've never been to. I've always wanted to go. I've heard really great things. It's on the top floor of some other bar. So we go down. We try to find this place. Can't really find the other, the other bar. We finally, we go to like one or two bars on the way there. Find the other spot, go upstairs, and we, we get in. And we're just hanging out. And they have this like... So the bar is pretty cool vibe. It's inside. And then they've got these big plate glass windows at the back side of the bar. And then they have this basically like a little rooftop deck, but it's enclosed. Like it doesn't have a view. It's got some pretty high walls, <laughs> but they have a really big like family style table out there. Oh, nice. So, so we're, we're inside the bar and Alex Perkins and I are sitting in some seats looking out of the window. And there's this really large group of people out there and they're celebrating something. So we all end up outside sitting with them and it's this group of uh, Saudi Arabia graduate students. They've just finished school, just, just finished the semester or whatever. And they're having a great time. They're partying, celebrating. They couldn't have been nicer. They invited us to sit with them and we start hanging out. Night escalates. Andrew, other people are dancing on the table. Like it, it just got really fucking, (laughs) it got really crazy, dude. It was so much fun. Perkins and I make our way back in and we're literally sitting in the window, just watching all this shit happen. And it's the greatest, but couldn't have been nicer. We ended up, I think we went to another bar after that. And some of those people came with us. Oh man. Um, Needless to say though. Uh Oh, so (laughs) needless to say, we get back to the bus, go to sleep, whatever. About 5.30 in the morning, I wake up, and I'm just not not in a good spot. Oh. I made the bus driver pull over, and I had to get out at a rest area, and I just I am violently throwing up everywhere. Oh, no. <laughs> Dude, like seven, seven times, probably. Like, no, no exaggeration. <laughs> Hey guys, here at Stories, we support family-owned small businesses. With that said, we want to promote our friends over at Purgatory Roasters in Middletown, Connecticut, and they want to give you a discount on their amazing coffee. Use the code STORIES for 15% off your purchase at purgatoryroasters.com. They are open for in-person service as well at their facility in Middletown, Connecticut. It's in the Factory Square building. So if you're on the East Coast, check that out. Also, they're all about punk rock and skateboarding and and I'm all about both those things, and I love their coffee. It is amazing. Check it out. Get the discount. 15% off stories. 
PurgatoryRoasters.com. At that point, I was kind of going through waves where, like, I, I mean, I was straight edge till I was 32. Wow. And then I started, I started doing some drinking right before I got divorced. And then that led me into a pretty dark period. So I was drinking pretty heavily for a while. And then I, you know, I, I've, over those other years, I was kind of just drinking a little here, then going like six, eight months without having to drink, whatever. So mm. before this tour, I hadn't had a drink in, in probably three or four months. Holy so, shit. Dude, I think between all those places, I probably had like six drinks. And even oh. for me, like, I mean, you know, when you're not drinking that much or even when you are, I mean, that's a lot of fucking drinks. It's all cocktails too. It's not like I was having beer or whatever. So anyway, I was a mess. I've never thrown up from drinking. I've never thrown up since then from drinking. I pretty much stopped drinking on that tour until, you know, a few weeks later when, you when know, I came back. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, dude. Yeah. That tour, that tour was full. You know, we did, I think we did 18 tiki bars on that tour. Cause I mean, dude, granted you remember that, that tour was supposed to be six weeks long, I think. And then they added almost two months. Remember when it sold out, like every show except for like four sold out within days of it going on sale. So like, I think we're going to add some more. I think we're going to add some more shows. And I didn't hear anything about it again. And then Andrew posted the full itinerary and I found out on Instagram. I was like, Oh, that's like eight more weeks. We were out for like 12 weeks or some shit like that straight. It was, yeah, a, it was pretty that long. Was a long. It was tour. pretty long. And I hopped off and hopped back on and still was on it for like a month. It was crazy, bro. Oh it God. Was, it was pretty wild shit, but it was fun. I man. mean, dude, what a fun tour. I mean, the, the really great thing I think about touring with Andrew is that when he does something and, and it goes off really well, the next time he's got to figure out a way to do it even better than the last time. So like that, that tour, so Pen and Piano was the tour before that. So yeah, you're gonna top that. I mean, that was a pretty fucking fantastic that was show. Amazing. And I was on the tour before that, and that was a fantastic fucking show too. Like so, yeah, dude. It's it. He that that's a Andrew's a dude that constantly finds a way to top himself. Like totally, yeah, and it, and dude, he does it every time, which is. Uh, I've never seen someone actually pull it off like that, like every time. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, dude, it was like, okay, let's build this living room set for pen and piano. Okay, cool. I mean, it looks amazing. You know, definitely had some days where there were some. Yeah, exactly. There were some issues some like, days, like fucking New Orleans House of Blues. Like, come on, guys, New Orleans House of Blues. Give them some help, for God's sake, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Live Nation. Put some money there, motherfuckers. <laughs> Dude, yeah. And then, but then, you know, the next tour is like, well, how are we going to stop it? Let's build a fucking house on stage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, wheeling. Wheeling him out from the garage every night and stuff. I mean, oh, dude, it was dude. just a fun show. It was good, and man. Kids fucking dug it. They I mean, did. touring with Floor was so much fun. Those guys were so fun. Grizzfolk. I mean, dude. couldn't have been with nicer people, you know? Oh man, and like just the crew was great on that tour too, man. Like fuck, yeah. like 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. dude, I, I mean, you had just from crew perspective, you had Taylor with Grizzfolk, fucking yeah. hands down one of the nicest dudes. I still talked to him. I just talked to him the other day. Just yeah, and then great guy. fucking Matt and I mean the the floor guys were cool. Like mm-hmm. you know. It's, and our crew too. I mean, like our camp. Like we had a, we had a bunch of good guys too. Our bus driver Stu, what a fucking guy, <laughs> dude. That was the guy. Yeah, like he was so awesome, man. He took dude, care of us. He was a fucking G, man. He was like the ultimate, like you know, like he was Papa Bear in in a sense, you know. Oh, dude. Yeah. He and then great. like we had. Like Andrew for the front of house dude from floor was super sweet. Like just mm-hmm. everybody just was such a good vibe on that tour. And I took to fucking with those guys so hard every single day mm-hmm. <laughs> where it was just so much fun. And they were such a good sports. Like I forget what pedal it was. McKinley was getting these pedals throughout the tour and I would just go and <sighs> put gaff tape on it and write something like (laughs) shitty on it, like changing the name of what the knobs were and stuff like that. Uh, And he would just look down and be like, so just have this look of defeat on his face and then just start cracking the fuck up. But those guys were so great. And I, I still am in pretty good touch with McKinley and with his Mm -hmm. uh, girlfriend, Sienna, who was out for a bunch of the shows and stuff. Um, they they've just remained in touch over the last couple of years, which has been awesome. I mean, that's dude, that's the, like the best part about touring, like yeah. just meeting new people that you end up having these, you know, relationships with. And I mean, who knows for years or a lifetime, you know, it's like, it's just cool. And you know what, man, it's like one of those things, like now that I, now that I think everybody in the touring industry has kind of been checked into the boards and given a concussion, uh, we've all kind of woken up <laughs> and fucking kind of realized like, all right, we've had some pretty good experiences in our lives. Like, and you know, it, life is tough right now, but Hey, like we, we just kind of got like punched down like for a little bit because we kind of, we had it really good before with our crazy lives and our, you know, our able, our ability to like, kind of like do our thing and just have it be all encompassing and not have to really worry about other shit. So it's totally. one of those and, things to know, where I think it's, it's, it's definitely brought out the best in some of our people. I think. I think so too. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it puts a lot of things in perspective and, you know, to me as, as dumb as it sounds to, or as, as dumb it is to think about if you've, done some of these shitty van tours and slept on people's kitchen floors with no pillows, no blankets, no nothing like we can get through this, you know? I mean, yeah. I mean, you too. Yeah. Point to yourself. If you've, if you slept on somebody's kitchen floor and without a blanket, (laughs) yeah, we've all done it. Montreal, middle of winter, went up there with Converge when their bass player, Jeff, their original bass player, was still living up there and going to school. What? There were probably 13 of us staying at Jeff's apartment, and I literally had a couch cushion, no blanket, and was sleeping by his back door with this draft going up my back the entire night. I was like, hey, but this is fucking awesome. We had a snowball fight in the middle of, um, forget 
is it St. Catherine? One of the major streets where like there's a ton of restaurants and bars and shit. Yeah, we just that's got in this fucking Catherine, massive yeah. snowball fight. Um, but yeah, I mean, dude, it, this is unprecedented. The shit that we're going through right now. And I mean, who knows when it's going to end? That's the, the sad and, and scary part of it. Um, but you know, it, it's put a lot in perspective. It will make the majority of people go back to work going, I'm so grateful for this. Anything that I've ever fucking complained about seems so minuscule at this point that like, you're never going to hear, you're never going to hear a fucking complaint out of my mouth again, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, I, yeah, you're right, dude. And I'll tell you at least from, in, in my, from what, from where I'm coming from, like, I, I think I'm, I think I'm good. I think I'm done touring. I think I've, uh, really? yeah, I think it's over. If the big three, the big three are uh, Fallon, uh, Andrew McMahon, and uh, Manchester Orchestra, those are the big three. If the big three need me, I'll come out with them. But other than that, I'm good. I got everything I wanted out of it. 18 years of traveling the world, doing this shit. What the fuck, man? Like, I'm... Well, that's awesome, dude. I'm good. I mean, you know... I've had some surprising conversations with people that have said the exact same thing and it, uh, surprising in the sense that the people that have said it have been people I've been surprised to hear say it, but <laughs> talking to them a little bit more and talking about like just hearing the reasoning, hearing what's been going on or whatever. I get it, man. I mean, like for me, I took 14 years off the road Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I've only been back on full time the last four, almost five. And to me, it's given me like being home. I've been so grateful to have the time with Corinne, and I've been so grateful to have the time with the dogs, and mm-hmm. you know, the few friends that I've seen. I mean, we've been super safe, not going out, not eating out, not doing anything, not really seeing anybody. We just have our small little pod of mm-hmm. of neighborhood friends that we've been seeing, and yep. Um, it, but it's made me realize the opposite. Like, you know, I want to be here and I want to spend my time here, but I also, I still need the travel. I still need just that excitement and that different culture and different, just for me, it awakened something in me that I hadn't felt in years and I still am craving it. So I I will go back to work for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, dude, good on everybody that's taken this year to think about what's important to them and make those decisions. You know, like, dude, I applaud that. I think that's, that's a huge decision, Danny, for you. And I think that, like, if you found happiness elsewhere, dude, you, not a lot of people can say that, you know? So. Okay, so wait. Let's let's preface this. So you got so while me and you were on tour together, you got the emails and you were getting offered the Billie Eilish tour. <laughs> I had no idea that I had no idea. I was just a typical idiot, like old, like man in his mid thirties that was like, "Wait, who's Billie Eilish?" Dude, I didn't know either, man. I mean, but yeah, you. So let's tell this. Tell this. Yeah, tell this little journey of of yours. Well, so. We were in LA. We were in 
LA doing rehearsals with Andrew for something in, it was November of eight, 2018. So it was before it was for like a one-off or something before the tour happened, mm-hmm. or maybe it was band rehearsals before the tour happened. I can't remember, but either way I was out there. And before I went home, uh, I had been talking to my friend, Brian Marquis, who was in a band called therefore I am that was on equal vision. I recorded both their records years ago, like, you know, uh, 2007, 2008, I think. So mm-hmm. Brian and I had been friends for a long time. He, he had been working with Billy he was tour managing her basically from the beginning since she was in a van and it was just, you know, her and her dad and mom, basically. Um, <laughs> so we met up for dinner I hadn't seen Brian in a little bit, but, you know, we stayed in touch over the years. And so we were just catching up. He was telling me about the gig and, you know, he was like, oh, you know, things are starting to kind of take off. So she still hadn't really hit that mm. kind of, I mean, I don't think she still hit the fucking peak. I think she's still no, going she's up gonna, the hill. She's, no, she's still, she has so much bigger to get. That's the scary thing. Totally. The best way. Oh. So she, so. You know, Brian was just telling me about it, and I've been telling him what, what I've been up to with Andrew and uh, doing the Thrice tour and all that stuff. And um, he was like, yeah, so I don't know. Like, we may we may be looking for somebody next year. We're not really sure. We're just kind of figuring it out now. I was like, and you know me, I like, I'm really bad at selling myself, and I'm really <laughs> bad. Even with friends, like, I just feel scummy about that show. I was like, well, cool. I mean, you know, keep me in mind if I, if – if we could work together, I'd be stoked, you know? And I mean, mind you, dude, other than any of the tour videos that Brian's posted, I've never listened to Billy. I'd mm. never seen her, never met her, never anything. So I didn't really know what the fuck was going on. Um, so that was in November and, you know, the rest of the month goes by, December goes by, January goes by. We leave on that tour. Yeah. And maybe like seven weeks into the tour, uh, I get a phone call from him and he goes, Hey, so we're going to hire you to do the, the gig. And I was like, are, are you, are you asking me or are you telling me? He's like, no, no, you're, you're going to come, you're going to come work. You're going to come work with us. I was like, oh, okay, well I need to talk to Corinne about it. He's like, no, I mean, you're going to, you're going to say yes. And so um, he goes, so just so you know, he had just hired uh, Brian Southall as the production manager, who's also an old friend of mine. He goes, great choice. Well, Brian's going to call you and, huh? I say great choice, Brian Southall. Oh, yeah, totally. Yes, dude. great choice. <laughs> yeah, great, di- great dude. Um, and I knew him from when he was playing in Receiving Into Sirens, uh, mm-hmm. Boston band. Oh. And so he go- Marquis tells me, yeah, Southall's going to call you in a couple days. You guys can work out the details, but you know, talk to Corinne and just, you're taking the job. So <laughs> South Hall doesn't call me three or four days later. He calls me 20 minutes later. Same thing. Hey, uh, you're going to take the job. I was like, okay, I feel like I don't really have a choice. He's like, well, no, you don't. And he goes, uh, I need you to be in LA basically like the end of this week. And I was dude, I'm in the middle of a tour. I can't, I can't go. He goes, no, I, I need you to quit. And I was like, nah, dude. I said, 
here's the thing you know about me. I go, I'm a loyal guy and you're going to want me to be a loyal guy for you. So there's no fucking way I'm quitting. I'm, I'm not going to go to Andrew and go, Hey dude, sorry. I know we still got like three weeks left on this tour. Uh, yeah, there was three, it wasn't seven weeks and it was like, close, well, so it was close to the end. So it was like three weeks left. Yeah. Uh, I go, yeah, I can't do that. He goes, well, when are you done? I said, oh, the 24th of March is the last show. He goes, well, that's great. We're starting band rehearsals on the 25th. He goes, you're ending in LA, aren't you? Yeah. He goes, just stay and, and come to rehearsal the next day. I was like, dude, you realize I've been gone for like, by the time that we wife, I have a wife. I've been (laughs) gone for three straight months, dude. I was like, I'm going home for a few days. And he goes, okay, you'll go home on Monday and I'll see you back in LA on Saturday. (laughs) So we finished the LA show Sunday night. I get on a fucking 7 a.m. flight Monday morning, fly to Nashville from LAX. I get on a 5.30 a.m. flight Saturday morning and fly back to L.A. and start production rehearsals for Coachella. Oh, so my God, So my first gig dude. with Billy was Coachella. No, no pressure, no nothing. Just boom, here you go, bud. Jump on in. Hey, do you guys like Pilsners? Do you like IPAs? Do you like Stouts? Do you like beer in general? If yes, then we have the place for you. Be sure to visit DecadentAles.com to browse their current selection available for pickup and shipping. And make sure to use the code STORIES for 10% off your order. That's S-T-O-U-R-I-E-S for 10% off your order. They currently ship to 10 states plus Washington, D.C. Or you can visit their tap room located in Mamaroneck, New York, a short 30-minute train ride from New York City. Once again, that code is STORIES, S-T-O-U-R-I-E-S, and follow Decadent Ales on Instagram. Was it main stage? Where, where, where was her slot on main, sta- main stage? So there were the two main stages. Mm-hmm. Or it wasn't the main, it was like the one down from the main stage. So okay. it, was, it was still one of the big ones. We headlined... Um, and I think this was the biggest show she had played to date. And there was like 80 or 90,000 people watching her set. Oh I mean, God. so the, you know how the way that the main stages are set up. So it's like one's kind of over here, one's kind of over here. And then the fields kind of run into each other at the back and connect. Yeah. Yeah. Her crowd was beyond where the, the fucking fields connected. Wait, and, and she was what? 18. Uh, no, 17. Holy fuck. Yeah, she just, she just turned 19 this past December. So this was the March of the previous year. So yeah, she turned 18 that December, turned 19 this year. So, wow. um, I mean, mind blowing shit, but we, we went, so we did like three weeks of rehearsals because it was a whole new setup, this LED mm. floor. Mm-hmm. LED like wrap around screens and stuff. And then we went, we did the first weekend. We went back to LA for the week off in between. Went mm-hmm. back into the second weekend, Saturday night, drove to LAX Sunday morning and fucking flew to New Zealand. <laughs> so it was like dropped in and go. And it oh was amazing. Dude. I mean, 
going to New Zealand and Australia for the first time, like I was saying before, I think Australia was hands down my favorite place that we've toured. Not necessarily because of the gigs, mm-hmm. but we had we were there for three weeks. So we what? were we had multiple days off. Oh, so lucky. like we were in Sydney for two days off before the show day. We mm. and then we were using Sydney as a hub. So we did uh we were doing Groove in the Moo, that festival that kind of travels around. Yeah, yeah. Um which was super fun, but like we'd be in Sydney, then we'd drive out like two hours to do a show and then come back. We'd be in the same hotel for almost a week. Oh, so, dude, that's amazing. Same like, thing like Brisbane. We were in Brisbane for a couple of days off, like anywhere that we went Melbourne. Also, we had a, we had a full day and a half off there. Like we got to really go and explore and see shit, eat some great food. Um, but man, I, I, I just, we were in, in there for that first week. And I was like, man, if this is what it's going to be like, I just can't even believe this ride I'm about to, to be on. Yeah. And it was just like that whole year was just incredible, man. We went to play, we went to Russia. I'd never been to to Moscow and St. Petersburg, never been there before. Um, which was incredible. I mean, dude, Moscow was so beautiful. Um, I wasn't anticipating that. Like, you know, for us growing up as kids, seeing Russia in movies and TV shows, like you, <laughs> yeah. you think of it in this, this one way that it's just this dark place and we get there and it's like all this history, but then in between all this history, there's the most modern building you've ever seen. It's just like mm-hmm. this beautiful culture and the, the people couldn't have been nicer to us. And there was barely a language barrier. Anyone over or anyone under 30 there was guaranteed to speak English and they were just beautiful people and just the shows were amazing. Like uh, we just didn't know what to expect. And it, it was incredible. And, you know, I, I went, I had never been to, um, I never been to Berlin before. Like I had just mostly done like UK a bunch of times mm-hmm. and, you know, been to Spain and, but I'd never been to Germany before we went to Berlin. We had two and a half days off in Berlin and oh, it was, man, Dude, oh, I, I would live fuck. there in a second. One I of my favorite in Berlin, cities. Like, no, I would live in almost any place in Germany, like in a second, like Germany oh, or dude. anywhere in Europe. Like, fuck, dude, give me, yeah, we were, give me a place. We were I'm staying there. at this hotel that was pretty close to all the World War II monuments. Mm-hmm. So in the two days that I had off, one full day. I think I walked like 19 miles. I walked to all the sites and checked everything out because I love, I love history and I'm a big world war two buff as far as, mm-hmm. you know, just following that, the history of the war and yeah, um, obviously the defeat of Hitler and just, it, it's just such an interesting Duh. time. Yeah. I mean, it, but it's just such an interesting time in history because yeah. we've never lived through something like that. So it's just always interested me. I've, I've really been just a, you know, I mean, not just world war two, but just a, an avid history buff just mm-hmm. in, in general. So to get to experience that in different cities all around Europe was great in the summer, you know, we were there in the summertime and it was just, just incredible. And I mean, dude, like I've been really lucky with all the gigs that I've had to tour with people that are like family, like 
the Andrew camp is a family, the thrice mm-hmm. camps, a family, the Billy camp is definitely a family. Like yep. as big as that thing has gotten, the, the crew that's been curated is incredible. Uh, Nicole, our production manager has done an amazing job of bringing the right people to the forefront. We went from the core crews, like 13 people to that first year, we went to like 32 people with all the vendor folks that joined us, like audio and lighting and video, wow, whatever. Yeah. To the beginning of last year for the handful of shows that we did, 85 people. Holy and shit. I will tell you, dude, every single one of those 85 people were incredible human beings. There and was not one person that I did not like on that tour. And wait. Let me, this is because I have no idea what the answer to this is, but wait, did Billy won a Grammy, right? She won five. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All yeah, right. five. I, I really had no idea. Like, so she won five. Five at one, at one award show. Yes. So, so best new artist, right? I forget what all of the um, but best yeah, new artist well, is one of them. I rem- that's why I was asking. Like I was only asking for that one. I didn't know there was five. <laughs> and then her brother. I mean, her brother won some as well because he he co-wrote the record. He produced mm-hmm. the record. So I I think he I can't remember how many he got six or seven because he had some other stuff that was nominated as well. And that was, it was pretty wild. You were like, you were his drum tech, right? Uh, I'm Andrew. Andrew Marshall is the drummer. So, uh, her Phineas, Billy's brother plays, uh, piano, guitar, and bass. Okay. Um, and so there's just me and one other backline guy, Trevor Jackson, who's actually an old warp tour guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, used to tour with like MXPX. Um, he is just this incredible guitar wizard. And I mean, he's now an incredible computer wizard as well for all the stuff that we do digitally. Um, but the, the cool thing about that show and about just billion and Phineas's kind of approach to it is with all the tracks that exist and all the stuff that had been programmed for the record Mm. as much of the show that we can do live. They want to do it live. So like any percussion type stuff, Andrew's playing it on pads. It's not tracks. Um, There, most of the, like of the tracks are just like background things. So, you know, award shows, same thing. We do that shit live. Like it's just, Anything that they can do live, we do it live, which is incredible. In this day and age, and especially for like pop music, yeah. it's just really unheard of. So, um, You didn't work at the Grammys, did you? No, because the Grammys, when they performed, was acoustic. The drummer Andrew oh, didn't play. Right. Okay, gotcha. So, And I was actually doing a gig with uh, McMahon that weekend. We had a, um, a gig in San Diego. And then I went up to LA and started a week of rehearsals with Billy for some other stuff oh, right after shit. that. So okay. I saw her two days after the Grammy. She was, I was sitting outside wait, you know, we were waiting for her to show up and she comes up and I was like, dude, I haven't seen you. Like, congratulations. This is fucking amazing. And she just looks, she goes, I, I just don't know what happened. You know, 
She's yeah, totally she's like blown away by eighteen. Like, like yeah, I won a Grammy and I'm eighteen years old. Like, I mean, what, if if I won a Grammy at eighteen years old, I'd be like, uh, what? <laughs> I mean, she she was blown away, so confused by it, and and she's just so humble anyway. And then, so, you know, we went in, she comes into the building, everyone claps and stuff. And basically we talk about it for literally like two minutes and then it's like, all right, let's get to work. And then that's it. We're just back to work and it's back to normal. Like, so yeah, she didn't give a fuck. She was like, oh, I want a Grammy. All right, cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. One minute of praise. All right. Back to work. Lee is like the most punk person without knowing that she's punk, like her work ethic, her beliefs, everything about her and just her humble, like just her humble attitude about stuff. And the fact that she cares so much about everybody involved, it, it, it's, it's an incredible, like Brian did a really great job of pulling the core crew people together that we've created a family around Billy and with mm-hmm. her family as well. Um, and Nicole's done an incredible job of accentuating that crew with all the other people that work with us. And it just truly is this family vibe. We get treated like fucking gold. It's, it's incredible for an artist that size, you know, like you don't think Miley Cyrus or someone knows who her fucking drum tech is, right? Beyonce doesn't know who her drum tech is or but her she fucking might. guitar tech is or whatever. But like, she might. That's the, but she might. I, I'm just using, I'm just using oh, it as yeah, an example. No, I, I, and I, and yeah, most I of those are saying, I know what you're saying. In most yeah. of those cases, like, those people are doing their thing. They're so focused on that. And like the other stuff is just kind of peripheral, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, I mean, Billy cares about everybody on the crew. She knows everybody. Same thing with Phineas, same thing with Andrew. I mean, we just, we all have great interaction and like, even on that, um, the one day off that we had before we got sent home, mm-hmm. we we're in Raleigh and Billy wanted to go do a ropes course and so the whole <laughs> core crew, like the whole core crew, like the 13 of us, we all went with Billy and our family and Brian and our, you know, Lauren, our assistant TM. And we did this ropes course. Like Billy just wants to hang out and it's, it's great. I mean, dude, they're, they're just the nicest fucking people. So anyway, I, I could that. go on forever. About yeah. It. I mean, that's great. Like that's, that's, that's good when you can go on forever about a, an artist who of that stature, who is obviously a good person. Like that's cool. And like, you know, yeah. I know my like 23 year old sister, like I bought her a Billie Eilish thing from target for fucking Christmas. Like that's, that's like, awesome. you know what I'm saying? Like that's, and that's cool as fuck to me to like, know that like, all right, I'm supporting a good fucking artist who like cares about their crew, you know? So dude, she, I mean, she, I mean, dude, she just deeply cares about everything that she's involved in and everything that matters to her. I mean, she stepped up and did so much for getting people out to vote young yeah, people. Man. She dude, she crushed it. Oh yeah. I mean, Dude, to work with somebody that believes in something that those are the type of people like that's what attracted me to working with Andrew as well. Like having the foundation and being so convicted about something that was so personal to him. Dude, why wouldn't you want to work with somebody like that? I don't want to work with somebody who doesn't give a fuck about anything, you know? No, like, no, not at all. It's not like, rewarding. Nah. It's not yeah. rewarding. No, nah, and like, it's not. I don't have to be best friends with 
people. Like I'm not expecting to be with the artists or whatever, but like when you do come out with a relationship with somebody like that, that genuinely cares about you and you genuinely or genuinely care about them. I mean, that's even better. You know, the, the yeah. situation is better for it and the experience is better. You know, it's like, dude, totally but agree. I never go in expecting that. Like I'm going to do no. a job, but if I can work with people that I respect, man, makes the day so much better. You know? Yeah. And I've, I've been lucky enough to where there hadn't been too many people I haven't respected that I've worked for. There's been a few and that's for sure, but they will never be on this podcast. So that's, yeah. well, that's dude, you, you've telling. got a really good roster. You've got a really good roster of solid people that you've worked with. So I like to vet them. I'm, 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 I, I try to keep it I try to keep it good. Like I don't, I don't want any fucking fuck faces. You know, I want, the, I want the no, real dude. ones. <laughs> no, hell no. I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, it's your sanity and your happiness too. Like you, you know, I'd rather say no and sit home than go do something I wasn't totally invested in. You know. Yeah, and there's, I mean, and yeah, that's the thing. It's like now it's like the option for that is even more because I can just like, you know, now I know like uh, I like sleeping in my own bed every night. Like I'm I'm done sleeping. <laughs> in, I'm done sleeping in a coffin on a moving vehicle every night, <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, wait. Okay, before we go, you got to like give me like a little like a bridge version of the pen and piano tour because I know that was crazy for you. <laughs> Dude, well, from from a merchandise perspective, you would enjoy the fact of some of those venues trying to fit all that stuff into the area that they give you. Uh, we did my favorite night of fucking just about to lose my sanity <laughs> was when we did L.A. We did that... Um, is it the Henry Ford Theater? There's some outside place that rarely does shows. They I do was like there. that was it. I was there. It was the Henry Fonda? No. Henry Fonda. That's it. You're right. Henry Fonda Theater. That's outdoors? Yeah, it was outdoors. Remember it was built into the side of the hill and it was kind yeah, of Yeah, it was surrounded, weird. Yeah, but it, I, I do remember but that. But remember the merch area was outside of the place, out front of the place on a fucking sidewalk nothing around me just and and dude they wouldn't there was no internet so i ha i couldn't use the fucking square out there like there was all this shit and then oh you i think you were there when i was counting out and the lady was sitting that was supposed to be checking my numbers and stuff was sitting across from me at a table not doing shit and i started getting fucking mouthy with her i'm like you're just gonna sit there all night you're gonna fucking help like i was so fucking angry i remember all that. uh it <laughs> Yeah, I forgot you were at that show. I was at that what show. What a shit show. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> and then they tried to fit me. Uh, when we were in Boston, they tried to fit me in the uh, at Paradise, that small, tiny little merch closet they used mm -hmm. to have up there. But then I, I got them to move me. But anyway, dude, the positive shit about that tour, though. Holy, holy shit. What, what a fucking experience that tour was. Yeah. To be with Andrew... Alan Stone, who I had never met before in my life, who is who quickly became one of my favorite people on the planet. Mm -hmm. Bobby, who I've known Bobby and I used to tour together when he was in River City High. 
Yeah. So I've known him forever. And then Zach, who obviously, I mean, I've known oh. Zach since he was 17. I recorded his first two records with him. Oh, so Zach. to be out with that casting crew every single night. And I mean, obviously like Perkins was on that tour, Matt Wilson. Um, it, it was just a blast. And we were all on the bus together. Like Alan rode with us. Um, but just to see that show every single night and to see how well crafted it was and how it just all came together. I mean, it took a couple of days to really get the rhythm, but it was such a special show. I'd never seen anything like it before because it, you know, it was essentially like, you know, Andrew kicked the show off, mm-hmm. which was unheard of because he's the headliner. Yeah. And then exactly. he curates the whole night. Mm-hmm. He would come in and out of the stage. All those other guys would kind of come in and out. They had their own little sections, but then they'd all do songs sporadically together. And with the Mr. Rogers theme, it was fucking perfect. And people fucking died and loved that show. And it was, I, I just remember walking away from that thing going, holy shit, like we just did something that was really special. And I had never felt that way before. Like I always love tours. I always walk away feeling good from tours, but that one was different where it was just like this next level of the artistry that went into it. Wasn't just the music. It was kind of theatrical, but it was also just, it created this vibe that I'd never seen on stage before. Yeah. And in the audience, it's like I had never seen on stage before, but that was also the tour since I was doing merch uh, VIP was crazy for that tour. <sighs> yeah. There were, you know, some days we had 19 people and some days we had like 125 people. Oh. And so about halfway through that tour, I was just like, well, fuck it. I got to start doing something to keep myself entertained. So I would bring a box of records and stand in the back of the line and pretend to be a fan and be like, Andrew, can Andrew, I'd start calling him from the line. Can you sign these for me? And like Andrew would fucking die laughing every time, but I'd try to think of new things every couple of days to like get in line <laughs> and ask for. And people like some of the fans, like obviously, you know, from being out with Andrew, like you get to know a lot of the fans because mm-hmm. they're very involved and they, they really appreciate I remember that being one of the first times being with him that I, that people were like, Hey, we know that you guys put so much into this. Like, thank you. Thanks to the crew. Thank you Mm. guys for doing all this work to bring this to us, which I'd never experienced before with other fans, you know? So that was a nice added layer to it, but you'd get in line with these VIP people who, most likely a bunch of them at the back of the line don't know who the fuck you are. So yeah, exactly. they just thought I was some fucking fan being a crazy idiot. So yeah, like, what the you know, fuck? Yeah, it, it was fun. And, and you know, the, the funny thing, just going to what I was back to what I was saying about like working with special people. And if you form a friendship with them, it's even better beginning of the tour every day off. Like we would have like a family meal. So every, pretty much everybody would go, Mm. Bobby would usually lay back. Um, but basically by the halfway through there'd be four of us. And then, you know, a week later or whatever, it would just be me and Andrew, like every fucking day off me and Andrew would just go and get some food. Zach would join (laughs) us every once in a while. And then like every night before a show would be like cocktail time. Let's go get one. Me and Andrew would go (laughs) find a bar close and just have a drink. So I feel like 
you know, I've, I've known Andrew off and on for years, like just through different people, mm-hmm. not really close, but um, over that, that tour, I felt like he and I got a lot closer and just really had this great friendship form from it, which, you know, has been awesome ever since. Um, and it was even dude, when we did the tour, just not last December, obviously, but the year before 2019, Mm -hmm. he did that solo tour for three Mm -hmm. weeks. Um, and it was just me, Chris, Andrew, and, uh, Alex Noel, our lighting guy in a van and van and trailer. And it, dude, it was so, it was so much fun. Um, wow. Who drove, uh, you know, of course, this guy, of course you did. Uh, Chris, Chris did a little, Chris did a little driving. He did pretty well with it, but like through the snow and like mountainous shit, I, I did most of that driving, which dude, that shit is hairy, man. Yeah. I forgot man. how hairy that shit Fuck, can get. That shit sucks, dude. Oh God. No, thanks. <laughs> I think we all agreed at the end of the tour, like we probably never do a van and trailer tour again. If we do that thing again, but don't do that. Um, <laughs> it was, I mean, it was fun, man. And just, um, uh, ivory lane opened the shows. So ivory and her sister who tour manages her and their guitar player rode with us in the van too. So it was just the seven of us in this sprinter van. And it was, it was so much fun. Like we just spent a lot of time together and there was, no drama, no nothing. Everyone was just there to just be super fun and and have a good time with each other. So it, it was cool, man. That was one of, that was another one of my favorite trips. Like I, it just, like I said, with Andrew, just every time is just better and better. And we just had, we just had so much fun. So. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, he's dude. He's I can't wait for people to hear his episode. I mean, like, I'm sure it's going to drop like shortly before this one drops. But yeah, it's a good one, man. Like, fuck, we could. Well, we have plenty of time for another podcast, so we don't have to get to everything. Yeah, totally. Because we got to like we got to like save it. We got to like leave people hanging for this shit. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. But dude, fuck, this was great, man. Like we we have we have definitely like at least three other episodes in us for sure. <laughs> yeah, great, dude. Yeah. I'm I'm so stoked you asked me to to come on and do it. Dude, this is fucking awesome. Thank you, man. Dude, dude, thank you. Love you, buddy. It's good, good to see you, man. Hell yeah, good to see you too, man. Peace out. Be good. Stories, an all-access podcast, is hosted by me, Danny Del Donuts. It is produced by Kenneth Fletcher. Our theme music is Storms by Personnel. Learn more about what we are doing for the touring community at stories.net. That's stories.net, S-T-O-U-R-I-E-S.net.